0: Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to Quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, I have my good friends, Cody Laughlin and Brian Alfaro. Cody is a real estate entrepreneur and thought leader with over 10 years of real estate investing experience. Brian is a real estate entrepreneur and Houston business owner. Together, they are managing partners of Blue Oak Capital based in Houston, Texas, and their mission is people-first communities, investor-first performance. Welcome to the show, guys. Cody, can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself, and then we'll have Brian add as well.
1: Absolutely, Gary. Thank you so much for having us on today, man. really appreciate that, and always a pleasure getting to connect with you and speak with you. So, but as you mentioned in my bio, been a real estate investor for about 11 years. In addition to that, I am still a W2 employee. I am a registered nurse and been doing that for about 13 and a half years. I found my entry into real estate investing in 2010 after becoming an accidental landlord. Shortly thereafter read The Purple Bible Rich Dad Poor Dad and you know completely changed my entire life both personally and professionally and started pursuing Real estate entrepreneurship, and spent the better part of the decade chasing, you know, both real estate and our non-real estate business ventures as well. And you know, after learning some very expensive, hard lessons along the way, you know, got really committed and focused to building a real estate business, and made the transition to multifamily in two thousand nineteen. And was fortunate enough to met two great partners in John Beatty and uh, Mr. Brian Alfaro there. And yeah, we've been doing some great
2: things since. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've been following you guys and watching you uh, really take off. It's exciting. Brian, how about yourself?
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having us on again, Gary. Very similar to Cody. I started off in single family real estate, started doing that in 2018, actually. My wife and I had just bought our first house, and I was reading a lot of books on just real estate in general. And there was always some little pieces in there talking about investing. So I started reading more and more about it and realized the power of real estate. You know, whether you're an active investor or you're a passive investor, it's a very powerful vehicle, not only for potentially cash flow, but also for wealth preservation. Because, you know, it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep, right? We've all heard that saying so went down the rabbit hole found things like bigger pockets other podcasts and really didn't know what i didn't know so i started small i was only thinking about how much capital do i have what can i buy with that what's 20% of this right so i didn't know anything about jvs or partnerships or syndications so i started small and i started buying some single family rentals but very quickly realized like ooh this is not for me. I didn't see it as a scalable model. I had a hard time scaling and it just seemed like a different business. It wasn't a type of business that was really aligning with my personal investing thesis. So... I made the pivot. in early 2020, right before COVID hit, I decided, you know what, if I'm going to have a better mindset and I'm going to go down the multifamily rabbit hole, now's the time. And COVID hit. So it kind of became a blessing in disguise because I got a lot of my time back. As you mentioned in my bio, I have a a couple of coffee shops here in Houston on the suburbs. So that was taking up a lot of my time. We had just opened a new location and it all just stopped, came to a halt because of COVID. And so I started reading, started networking. I met John, our other partner, eventually met Cody, joined the mentorship group we decided to all work together because one, we were all really got along, which is super important in partnerships. And then two, we all had the same short-term and long-term goals. And we started down the rabbit hole and chasing multifamily deals. And here we are.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, today we're going to talk about lead generation and conversion for residents. Such an important topic. You know, Every sub is different, but, uh, but let's talk about what's working for you guys at your properties. You know, what tool do you guys use to measure conversions and how often are you monitoring this?
1: Yeah, this is a very relevant topic, Gary, and and, you know one that we're excited to talk about because it's something that's actually very close to us. We're actually going through this ourselves on one of our properties that uh, we acquired early last year with our partnership team, and you know it seems very rudimentary in thought. Where you know, of course, everybody should be tracking lead generation, right? But I think it's probably something that a lot of people don't do a very good job at, right? Because what happens naturally, most operators probably outsource their property management through a third party and you expect your third party property managers to you know go out there and do your your lead gen as well as your property management your day-to-day operations and if you're not paying attention what you may find is that lead gen is not being handled effectively right you're not seeing a good lead generation flow maybe right what is the standard most people put their properties on ILS you know apartment.com apartment listing whatever it is And just expect that that's going to be good enough. But if you're not really following that or tracking that as one of your core KPIs, you know, occupancy can really correlate with that trend as well. And so, this is something that you know, again, we discovered when we on our property after takeover, we went through a whole rebranding process. You know, we took the property, changed the name, changed the color scheme, did all those things. And so, we kind of hesitated and we waited a little bit to kind of build out the lead gen funnel so to speak as we were going through that rebranding process but as we started getting hot and heavy into the capex business plan and started turning units and now the new brand is out and visible we had to start playing catch up right Brian and I mean you know we then had to go and generate new leads to fill these new vacant units as we were turning them and so and we, we're talking about a 240 unit property that you know we're turning on average give or take 20 30 units at any given month, especially towards the end of last year. And so, you know, we started out with just your apartments.com. We had a basic website. But what we were finding is 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 we were only getting like just a few leads per month, right? Brian, I think it was just a handful of leads, if any. Mm-hmm. And then as we were making these turns, you know, our occupancy started to trend down, which we budgeted for, which that was part of the plan. But there became that moment of uh oh, like you got to have more traffic coming in because now you got to fill those units as those units get ready to turn. So uh, Brian, chime in there. What did I miss?
2: No, 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 Those are all great points. I think the point for the listeners to remember, and this is true in a lot of different business avenues is leads are expensive, right? There's a lot of eyeballs out there. And when you get a lead into your funnel, you have to convert your leads. So that's something that's super important. So the goal is to have as big of a funnel as you can. You don't you know a lot of these websites you know don't always generate quality leads so that's super important to know too you do want quality leads so you do want to be targeted with your marketing But once the leads fall into your funnel, I think it's super important. Cody highlighted a good point. A lot of property managers, they're really good at managing properties, but they're not so good at generating leads and sometimes not even closing the leads too. That's another important skill set. So I think it's important on a week-to-week basis, you're managing how many people are we getting into our funnel? How many leads are we seeing? How many are converting to on-site tours, right? How many applications are we getting? And then how many leases are we getting? And staying on top of those metrics, keeping an eye on them. Are they heading in the right direction? Are we flat? Are we heading down if we're heading down or we're flat? What do we need to do about it to improve our conversion rate? So these are all things that we've been learning and watching and you know just implementing throughout our business plan.
0: yeah, I think this topic is so important because yeah uh, a lot of owners will look at how many leases did we get, and it's not that's that's not where it starts as you said, it's that lead generation, and then that conversion along the way, what's working, what's not working so you can really. Understand where you're getting the most value for for your dollars, and just because it works, uh, one thing works great in one area doesn't mean it's going to work great in another area. It could be completely different, and it could be ten miles apart, and two things work completely different. You know, it could be because of different asset class or or different reasons. I'm curious where you know what have you guys learned? You know, because it is a bit of trial and error. You know, nothing it works perfectly the first time. How has that? Have you guys worked through that piece of it, the trial and error piece?
1: Well as Brian alluded to right we expanded the funnel you know again just having a basic website is not enough just having apartment.com is not enough like you have to expand that funnel and really get very specific on the type of you know avatar we hear that all the time right but really identifying your end user and how to target that end user and so one thing that we found most effectively and this is again very rudimentary but think about where do people go naturally to look up stuff google You know, so, and one of the things as a, as a small business, as apartment owner is Google My business. You know, that's very, very impactful when you're tracking and monitoring your reviews on Google, my business and not just tracking it, but also responding to, you know, those comments and the feedback that's provided and very timely. Brian, would you agree?
2: Yeah. I think you have to also use an acronym, you know, KYT, know your tenant, right? So every tenant's different if you're targeting an A class tenant. It's gonna be different potentially than targeting, you know, workforce housing type tenant, right? People that may not be as tech savvy. Uh, So, I think you have to be conscious about that. You know, where are people looking for their units? You know, I've heard of some property owners where Craigslist still works for them. I don't know very many, but I've heard of it. And then a lot of, you know, property owners are having a lot of success with Facebook Marketplace, right? Being able to generate leads that way. And then Cody and I know some really high quality operators here in Houston that don't list on the ILS. They don't need it. They stick to Google and Facebook and they spend all their marketing dollars on there. But again, it goes back to the asset class, goes back to the submarket, you know, real estate. Very hyper local, and you have to know that going in and be able to pivot quickly if you're spending a lot of dollars, a lot of time on something, and it's not working very well.
1: Yeah, and you have to be able to get very granular in this too, Gary, right? I mean, you have to nearly know, have a good understanding of what's your lease exposure per month, what's the amount of leads that you're generating, and what's that conversion on those, the amount of leads you're generating. So you can really get an idea on. How many leads do you need coming into your funnel? How many of those conversions do you need to keep up with your lease turnover each month, right? And if you're not tracking and getting that granular, that's where you could start falling behind and really having an impact on your physical occupancy.
0: And how are you guys tracking? I know we've had hit and miss success on really on tracking it well. And part is user error by the leasing agent, part by the software, have you had the same kind of hit and miss or like really you have a system that really works for you guys?
1: Well, I think I would argue now that we have a really good system in place now and we actually have a member of our property management team that's just designated to specifically lead gen and tracking, right? And that's all they're doing is managing our Facebook ads, our Facebook marketplace, Google My Business. And his role was to train the on-site staff and also being engaged in that and participating in the lead follow-up and things like that, like on social media and whatnot. And so that's been crucial. And that's something that we're tracking every single week. So every week on our asset management calls, we're having the discussion around lead gen. Again, what's the conversion rate? And then how is that trending with our both in-place occupancy and our forward occupancy, you know, and how do we continue to drive more traffic? So I don't know, Brian, I miss anything.
2: No, I don't think it needs to be overcomplicated. If it's on your Monday morning report, the report you're getting with you from an asset manager, either you can take that number yourself and plug it into Excel or Google Sheets. And if you feel like your property manager is not having a good time keeping it updated, or if you do have somebody who's reliable, who can accurately fill that information out, that's even easier for you to just pull it up once a week and see, you know, why aren't we converting or what's happening.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that we added too as well is not only the leads, the amount of leads coming in the conversion, but hey, how many of those leads are actually turning into on-site tours, you know, property tours with the leasing agent, how many of those are turning into lease applications? You know, so that way you're just getting very granular in, in how that's ended up converting into your ultimate conversion rate.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you trying to hit a certain percentage along the way from leads? to you know showings and appointments and and leases do you have a certain percentage you want each part of the way or you're trying to hit just enough your
1: leases for however many are vacant yeah are you referring to like what the overall conversion rate is yeah yeah
0: along the way are you trying to get 50 percent along each path or you know is there a magic number you're looking for
1: no, I don't know that there's a magic number that we've discovered yet or that we really defined. I think, you know, we're still early on in our business plan as well. I mean, we're not even into a full year of operations. And then our CapEx plan is still going through its cycle as well. So, you know, there's still multiple factors in that we're still working with. And, you know, we were fortunate, Brian. I think November, December, we came out of our two highest least exposure months. You know, we had like over 30.
2: Each month.
1: Uh, Yeah, 30 applicants each month that we're going to turn over. So, and we actually had a very high retention rate. So, that's another factor here too, is not just focusing on new leads, but also focusing on retention, which is ultimately the biggest cost saving that you could do. But so I think to answer your question, you know, we're still trying to figure out what that ideal number is, but it is something that we're paying very close attention to. You know, we're looking for both generating the highest amount of leads, but also getting the maximum amount of conversion out of that lead set as well. Would you agree, Brian?
2: Yeah, leads are expensive. We got to convert them. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. What led
0: to your greatest success as far as the retention piece?
2: Customer
1: service. Uh You know, the one thing that we did after takeover is we retained the on site manager who had been there for, oh man, I think she's actually been a resident and a property manager on site for like 25 years. So she had a really deep connection with the residents that were already in place. And so retaining her really helped us to help in that transition, and you know just be a positive face, you know, versus a whole new team coming in and saying, okay, you know, we're going to make all these changes to your property. And, oh, by the way, we're raising your rent. So I think that was a huge piece in retaining her.
2: Yeah, I recall when we took over from her a few times, people asking her like, hey, are you kicking me out of my apartment? You know, this is a workforce housing, right? These rents are three hundred dollars below market. Property hasn't been renovated in twenty plus years. People were just looking for a place to live and they were afraid that they were just going to get kicked out of their home. So I think having that familiar face, that customer service, letting people know, like, hey, we, we want to work with you, want to find a way to keep you in your home and provide you a great place to live. But we also want to improve your lifestyle, improve your standard of living because what you're living in right now is not a great standard yeah. of living. So I think a lot of that helped. And then also seeing some people are visual, right? So we had the 3D renderings of what the exteriors were going to look like, what the interiors were going to look like, and got those printed on really big boards. So when people we're coming into the office, you can say, Hey, this is what the project we're about to start doing. This is what it's going to look like. This is something you'd be interested in. And then once you have a few turn units, keeping that new model, that new uh, renovated unit to show, and we even did an open house as soon as that first model unit was ready to go show the residents like, Hey, this is what we want to do to your home. We want to convert it into a really nice home for you to live and still be affordable, but there will be some, you know, some increases in your rent. So and I think that's really helped a lot with the retention we've seen. I think every month we've had over 90% renewal rates on the leases, which has been great during the renovation process.
0: Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, excellent job, guys. If, you know, I ask this question of all of our guests, what is your asset management superpower? So Cody, I'll ask you first.
1: My answer for Brian too, I think understanding the marketplace and being, you know, very in tune to marketing and lead gen. You know, again, utilizing those services that are outside your traditional ILS, like your Facebook marketplace, Google My Business. I know Brian has been a champion of that for a long time in his own personal business. So I would definitely say that that's probably a, a big superpower of ours.
2: Yeah, definitely marketing, customer service. I always tell people, don't overcomplicate things. Just be nice to people, keep the place clean, give them a good apartment and tell the world what you're doing. And to find people want to live live at your property.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you, Cody and Brian, for coming on the show and adding value on the subject of lead generation and conversion. One of the key things Brian said, KYT, know your tenant. So remember that, treat them well. It's none of this stuff that we do is brain surgery. It's basic stuff and it'll take you very, very far. If you guys could tell the listeners a little bit more where they can find uh, about what
1: you guys are doing. Absolutely. Well, Gary, I want to thank you again for having us on the show. Really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, but uh, we're not hard to find. We're very active on social media. So you can find us across most of your major platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, primarily. You can also catch us at our website, www.blueoakinvest.com. We have a really great podcast show as well, the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Ship podcast. Check us out there. And if you want to connect with us directly, man, you know, hit us up via email, Cody or Brian at blueoakinvest.com.
0: All right. Thanks again, Cody and Brian. This is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.